Good morning, Christ Church. Well, that season has come around again. Now that we are approaching Thanksgiving and certainly the close of the Christian year as we make a fast approach toward Advent, it's that season where the holiday commercials seem to just take over. Am I right? Take over the airwaves, just bombard you with constant messaging. No matter the type of channel, the genre of movie, it's just constant bombardment of all of these messages about the good old holiday season. And not just the good old holiday season, but the shopping, the consistent messaging around consumerism, right? I just have a question for you. Have you, have you seen the one by the giant company with the singing boxes? The one that caused a frenzy with this decision this week by selecting New York City as its second headquarters? Have you seen that commercial? Yes, it's in a way quite lovely and ingenious. I thought it was actually kind of cute to the point that I found myself rewinding the TV back a few times just to see it and sing along. Whoa, yeah, sing along. It's a creative way of using inanimate objects to take center stage. Whereas commercials featuring animals who talk, sing, and dance are cute and commonplace, this, this one offers a somewhat refreshing take on the notion of holiday shopping, or at least I thought so. In the moments that I kept finding myself rewinding it back, what was it that was pulling me in? You see, not only are those famous brown boxes singing, they're singing to a catchy tune that speaks to the good we can find as we enter the official holiday season. Yes, it's the Jackson Fives. Can you feel it? Do y'all know that song? Do you remember the lyrics? Well, of course, Michael Jackson is taking the lead, right? And he says, if you look all around, the whole world is coming together now. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Okay. I have to harness that need and temptation to stray off. I, I'm not a singer, but I also know this is God's moments. But stay with me, please. They go on singing, feel it in the air. The wind is taking it everywhere. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? All the colors of the world should be loving each other wholeheartedly. Yes, it's all right. Take my message to your brother and tell him twice. Spread the word and try to teach the man who's hating his brother when hate won't do, when we're all the same, because the blood inside me is inside you. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel Okay. They say, sing aloud because we want to make a crowd, touch a hand and sing a sound so pure salvation rings. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Yes, that's it. That's the message. That's what, that, that's what the writer here is trying to get us to see. That's what the preacher is trying to tell us through this text this morning. Now, I, I don't know about you, beloved, but to me it hints at this text we find in Hebrews this morning. I have to admit, it was hard to resist preaching Hannah. It was really, really hard to resist preaching that great woman of the Bible in the Old Testament. But here, the preacher in this passage is speaking to a weary and declining congregation. Well, all around, we know something about that. 
Our senior minister has said repeatedly about this cultural moment. It's not just, you know, unique to Christ church. It's really all around. And in verses 22 through 24, we see something important going on here. As the preacher says, let us approach Jesus with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and and good deeds. Yes, that word provoke. In some texts, it can be dangerous. And in Hannah's case, Penina, the other wife, was provoking her and not unto anything that was good. But here, the preacher in Hebrews is telling us, telling the people to remember the faith in Jesus, which keeps you filled with hope. It is by this faith we are able to provoke one another to love and good deeds, or in some translation, to stir up, stir up the love, stir up the good deeds in one another. Since we have received assurance through Christ, we should not waver in sharing it through others, the preacher says, especially those in need. Yes, especially those in need. You see, provoking has often taken on that negative connotation, but here the preacher is telling us something very important and positive, not what was the case in the Old Testament reading that you heard. You see, it goes beyond love as a noun. It's beyond just saying it. It's beyond just trying to get the words across your lips. It's, it's the charge that we have to put love into action. Love becomes a verb. This will become, yes, evident in our good deeds. What is love if it's never made manifest? What is love if it's never seen? What is love if it's never felt? If it's never felt, then there's a real problem. So here, instead of a negative meaning to provoke one another. Here, the preacher is saying to us something that is affirming and, yes, life-giving. Life-giving. That's where the text is encouraging us to stay connected, stay unified. This week, not only did I find a special message in the commercials, but on the morning news, on one particular morning as was looking to see what the weather report would be. You know, the newscasters kind of got it wrong on Thursday, right? Got it. They were way off. And, And as I'm waiting for the news and I'm listening to the report that morning to see what's happening in the world and certainly in our local area, there were these questions that that came to mind as I thought about love being made manifest. I pondered at the close of the week while watching this particular news anchor say, in one segment, the anchor was reporting about a firsthand experience of sleeping in a sleeping bag overnight with homeless teens for what is known as the Great Sleep Out, the Covenant House, to raise awareness of struggles for homeless teens and their plight. Yes, that got my eye and it arrested my attention. But moments later, just moments before the commercial break, you see, there was a story of the Hockney painting which sold for, are you holding on? Did you all see that? $90 million. Hmm. 
the story about homelessness and homeless teens and then the undisclosed buyer of the $90 million painting of, yes, the living artist breaking a, a record for the highest sale of a living artist's work. So if you heard about this, you knew it was record-breaking, did you not? You knew that there was something pretty spectacular about any painting that would command $90 million. And so for me, I sat there a bit baffled, and again, I found myself rewinding the TV back just to see how many snippets of different stories came up between the homeless teens and the $90 million painting. Hmm. Yes, the juxtaposition of these stories couldn't paint a starker contrast of capitalism. It also brings into focus the intersections of money and class and sometimes even gender and race. We become blinded by life's creature comforts. So many live in the land of plenty while others are in constant want. So many are in the land of abundance while others are constantly and acutely aware of their stark scarcity. So how does this provoke us unto love and good deeds as we enter this Thanksgiving season, as we find ourselves at the close of the Christian year where we can help to provide shelter, a meal, even clothing to those for whom there is real scarcity? You see, as this message is proclaimed by the writer of Hebrews, my question to you today is, can you feel it? Can you feel what the preacher was talking about when the children all around have no turkeys to carve or tables upon which to enjoy a lavish meal? Can you feel it? Can you feel the purpose and the mission of Christ pushing us forward into this season to be mindful of those around us? And especially all around as we consider the children, even those, yes, unborn. What kind of world will they enter into? Marion Wright Edelman from the Children's Defense Fund has a prayer that helps me situate this concern that was on my heart for children. And she says, God, help our children to learn what is real. Help them not to defer to people because they are powerful or rich, because they look good or wise or helpful or loving. Help them not to defer to people because they are attractive or famous, but because they share a mission. They share a life view, a commitment to something bigger than themselves. Help them not to defer to people because of race or gender, but because they are principled and honest. Amen. Amen? It's okay to say amen sometimes. I think she hit it on the nail when she asked of God that the children might be remembered, that they might have holy wisdom, that they might have a spirit of discernment. And I have to tell you, it's the worshiping community that helps us put this all into practice. You see, in the scriptures today, the scripture today is to encourage and to help the people of God to organize themselves in a new and a different way, with different guiding principles, different values and ethics to govern their behavior inside the temple and beyond. But yes, different, different from the messages of the world. 
The church has to counter each and every day, each and every moment we have to make a decision. Is that spirit in us causing us to do what it is that is consistent with the teachings of our faith? The preacher says, don't lose heart. The preacher is asking them, can you feel it? Can you feel it, the passion and the purposes of Christ? And if we look, that old translation that many revert back to from the King James Version says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Well, that's us. That's worship. That's what it means to gather on Sunday and anytime we have corporate worship and an opportunity to connect, an opportunity to, to allow the Spirit to move in us and through us, heart to heart and breast to breast. You see, not only are they given a charge to organize themselves in a different manner, they are called to meet regularly in order to gain strength and a godly perspective on their response to God's call on their lives. They are expected to be an intentional community. What does that mean, you ask? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. And for those joining with us today on this, the final joining Sunday of this calendar year, and even, yes, this Christian year, it is a reminder that our strength is limited if we solely rely on ourselves and personal devotion. The preacher told the congregation, stay with me, the preacher said, your strength is going to be limited if you rely on yourselves, if you isolate yourself, if you only use personal moments of devotion as your guiding light. No, it can't rest there. It can't rest there. Why? Because they are here together covenanting to be about the work of the Lord. Yes, here they have made not only a covenant with one another, they have said that they will agree to show forth the compassion of Christ. You see, not only is compassion shown for one another, but for those yet to join our ranks. They recognize that everyone will not always agree, and that's okay too. Everyone will not always agree, for even when we disagree, we are reminded that the one who has promised is faithful. And by the work of God's Spirit, we, yes, can persevere. Can you feel it? They are serious in their efforts to be a religious community for good works. Can you feel it? The next time you see the singing boxes, please remember that as commonplace as they are today, Many of those brown boxes as we approach Advent and move into the holiday season and Black Friday and Purple Friday and Red Friday and any other Friday as all the sales come at us day after day, moment after moment, there are children who will not be able to order or receive that which seems so mundane to many of us. Yes, there are some who don't have the resources to make a request online to get a purchase in the mail that is a, a singing brown box. It is when we feel their needs, their issues, when we feel for the least of these among us, our love is moved from simply a noun into a verb. You see, someone said, and we have to be mindful of this about our worship 
And this is why we come together. But they said worship is God's answer to the problem of isolation. Worship. Our time together. Our time together is a gift and a power for us to draw from. You need more than your own personal resources and faith to make it. In this harsh and cruel world, yes, there are some things that we see all around us. There, there's good around us, but there's even more good that we should do. We didn't make ourselves. We didn't come to this place on our own merit, nor can we save ourselves. And so the preacher has come to the congregation, the Hebrews. The preacher has come today to the congregation, Christ Church, to remind us that we have to remember to get this right. And we have to remember to spread the word and to try to teach everyone who's hating his brother or sister that hate won't do when we're all the same because the blood inside me is inside you. When we gather together in worship, I hope we each feel the presence of Christ in his ultimate sacrifice, as the preacher tells us, that there's a power that comes with that. I hope that when we gather together in worship, that we each feel the passion for God's people and the need to do whatever we can, even if it's just to be present with someone who feels all alone. When we gather together in worship, I hope each that we feel bonded together in prayer and purpose. Yes, when we gather together in worship, I hope that we commit and covenant together to show forth the passion and compassion of Christ and build God's beloved community. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? That's what this season is all about, ushering us into a space and a time when we not only feel for ourselves, our wants, our needs, our desires, but that we think about all the others that we might touch, those for whom we might feel connected to, even when we don't even know what their issues may be on a personal level. It says the gospel writer of the song, um, I need you, you need me. Do you all know that song? It's a song that is produced by Hezekiah Walker and the Love Fellowship Choir. Very simple, as we move from the Jackson Five, Hezekiah Walker says, I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body. I hope you can feel that. And I hope that you'll remember in this season, as we go forward, that it's not just about our being here together. It's about our being here together to covenant to do more as Jesus said once, greater works than these shall you do.